You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have podcasts on nearly every team in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports. Just search your podcast app for Locked On and your team to get more podcasts. We got the band back together. Nada joined us back on Thursday. Now Doug back with us to start the week. Doug back from Nashville. Doug, how was your trip to Tennessee? Glad to be back. You know, I lived in Nashville for four years, so this wasn't a trip where I was looking to see all of the sites. I've seen all of the sites. I, I was there for a family wedding. So I spent most of my time with the family. I did uh, I did have one a lunch to myself because all of the girls did the girls thing and, and I had some time alone. So I grabbed some uh, diner food. And Don't you have this special rule about diners? Well, I, I anytime I, I go to a city that is not Charlotte, I, I try to find a diner to eat in because I like diner food. I think the the worse the diner looks on the outside and the inside, the better the food is. Agreed. It's just like a convenience store. That's a rule I could subscribe to. I had some good chicken and waffles at a diner in Nashville as well. I don't know what exactly the diner's name was, which almost I kind of like even more for the store anyway. It's this obscure diner that I don't know what it is. And, and I had and, some good chicken and waffles. There. And chicken and waffles is a is a classic dish at a diner, at a southern diner. Mm-hmm. And you can't really go wrong with that dish. Um, but sometimes you can go wrong with the waitstaff. <laughs> it can be, sometimes you get a, a waitstaff that will recognize early on that you either want to be interacted with or you want to be left alone. I walked into this diner alone. I had a book. I went to the bar that's universal sign for, especially if I'm not interacting with you as a waitstaff initially, that's a sign that I, I'm kind of there to just be in my own space. But the waiter that I got what, did not recognize that and instead decided to accost me with trivia about <laughs> random things. I had this t-shirt on that was a cold trickle Days of Thunder t-shirt with the Mellow Yellow logo. And uh, the the waiter says, the guy behind the bar, I guess. I don't know if if that's technically a waiter or not. No, that is a waiter. Okay, it's a waiter when they're behind the bar. That still counts. Mm -hmm. All right, so the waiter says, the waiter says, oh, Mellow Yellow, did you know that Sundrop was originally made with vodka? And I said, yeah, I didn't didn't know that. Thanks. Okay, cool. And Coca-Cola was originally made with cocaine. And I was like, I would like a water. That's what I, I would like a water. If you have any trivia about water, that would be fantastic. But first, I would just like a water. And then later on, I ordered this uh, uh, turkey Reuben. Classic diner dish. Reuben, turkey Reuben. And he says, did you know <laughs> that a turkey Reuben is called a Rachel? To which I replied, please, God, just give me my food. (laughs) (laughs) I've had that happen before a couple of times. It happens all the time where you want to go to a diner or just a bar or somewhere and you just want to be left alone. Universal sign to be left alone, by the way. I think you did not mislead anybody in that. You had the book. You were there by yourself. You don't start or initiate any kind of conversation. And this guy just couldn't pick up on it. It's the worst. It's the worst ever. Literally. You know what, though? We got to have some of our listeners... 
Give us your worst waiter interactions on Twitter. Just tweet us and just tell us a story once you listen to this and give us our stories. Maybe we'll share them Thursday or something like that because we kind of need the content. My most embarrassing waiter story is one time somebody asked me, and I feel like this might be one that other people have experienced themselves, but I myself was with a couple of friends and a waiter came by and asked me if I would like the soup or salad. And I said, sure, I'll take the super salad. Super salad. S-U-P-E-R, salad. And... Homies clowned me all day long about that. As so, you should be. Yeah, it was pretty. I could not understand him. I guess he was like basically asking the super me. salad. Yeah, they said, uh, "Do you want a super salad?" And <laughs> running it together, and I said, "I guess, yeah, I'll take the super salad. I think hey. that's fine. I'll take that." So that's my most embarrassing moment with a waiter. I haven't you said thought this in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you thought he said. Like a super sized salad. Right. That's like what a you salad that was super in maybe size or in taste, but that the name of the salad was indeed the super salad. S U P E R E E R salad. Super salad. This is a salad that excels in quality or the size super salad. or quantity. Quality or quantity. All I know was super in some fashion. And I ordered the super salad when indeed he was asking me if I would like either soup or salad. You uncultured savage. I deserve that one. (laughs) I think that was the. I think that was the inception of. That's the uh, genesis. That's the genesis right there of of me. Sure. That's the genesis of all of this. Yeah. You, your grape jelly love, all of it. No. Right here. No. It was. uh, Yeah. I wanted a super salad. I think it sounds pretty cool. By the way, I would be down to make one. I think you could possibly make one, and I think it would be fine. I would like to know what goes into super salad. To be honest with you, if we have any ideas, I would love to see what happens there. We talked to Pete Willie. We didn't ask him about a super salad, but we did ask him about all of the classic games that are going to be taking place in 2018. There's going to be eight classic games with the classic court, revealing the style of floor that was used in 1995 between that and 1997. Every single one of those games are going to be wearing the white classic unis. It's going to be a lot of fun, and they start opening night, October 17th, against the Milwaukee Bucks here at home, the the first home opener that they've had in four years. So here's that interview now. I got a chance to talk with Chief Operating Officer Pete Willie. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We've been teasing it for a while. We had some more news drop yesterday in light of the Charlotte Hornets 30th anniversary with some awesome bobbleheads being announced. Chief Operating Officer Pete Gwilly now joining us on the guest line. Pete, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Walker. Hey, no problem. We appreciate you joining us. And like I said, these bobbleheads, Pete, I'm a huge fan of. I think I've told you that about every time I've talked to you. Steve Martin's bobblehead. It's cool enough just by itself, but it also plays the call of Zoe hitting the game winner against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. What was that? The most fun one to come up with out of all these bobbleheads? Uh, you know, it's, they've all been fun, but yeah, I think so. You know, with Steve just retiring last year, and we tried to give him a send off, but it, it, I don't, I don't know that you could ever do enough for someone who's invested as much in the organization as he has, and is so synonymous with the Hornets brand. So we wanted to take it one step further and have one night that's completely dedicated to Steve, and we really thought this bobblehead was the perfect way to do it. It's amazing. Glenn Rice, Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bogues, also a few of the other bobbleheads that were teased here in honor of the 30th anniversary of the Charlotte Hornets, and also people are excited about the court. Going back to the floor that they had in the old Charlotte Coliseum, the court design was picked between the years of 1995-1997. Pete, what went into that decision? You know, the whole process, is, you always feel like you have an obligation to do it right because there's just so much passion for this brand. 
we were talking about today. I, I just don't know that there's as much passion for, for many other brands really in sports. So you, you have to make this an integrated platform, and we didn't think we could do it right if the guys weren't playing on that court. And we thought that court from 95 to 97 was the one that resonated the most with the fans and was the most distinctive. And when you take the court with the original uniforms, the game presentation, and now these classically themed giveaways, these classic nights are going to be something that everyone's going to remember for a long time. There's going to be eight classic night games for the Charlotte Hornets. Well, they'll play on that court from 95 to 97, and also they'll wear the classic white unis as well. Pete, 95 to 97, those years you're saying kind of sticking out to you the most when you look at the style of the floor that they played on. Was there any other style that maybe made the final cut or was really close to being featured on a classic night game as well? Yeah, you know, just what the team opened up on initially, and then there was a couple of iterations that, that kind of caught our eye. But, again, this one just jumped out. And anytime we'd done any even anecdotal conversation with fans, this was the court that they would they would point to as the one that really resonated with them the most. So in the, in the end, it kind of became an easy decision that this was the one that people wanted to see and to be able to roll it out now on 8 and starting with the opener. It's going to be very cool. Pete Gwilley, Chief Operating Officer, joining us here on the guest line here, Locked on Hornets podcast. Pete, how early did you start working on a lot of these projects, getting ready for some of the classic nights that would be here in 2018? Well, this has been going on for a long time, and we had it on our radar. Obviously, we knew that the 30th anniversary of basketball in Charlotte was coming up. Um, you know, we were working on this for, it feels like, a year at least. And, you know, there's been so many different directions that we could take this in you know when we brought the brand back originally that was our first opportunity to reach back into this the rich history of this team and but there, we knew there were so many more things that we could do and we thought hey the 30th anniversary is the perfect time to take the gloves off and really go deeper and so it's been it's been going on for quite a while you know it's, it's really rewarding to be able to roll out these classic nights now and do that in such an integrated manner and we just want people to feel like when they walk in this building that they're, they're transported back to 1988 or as close as we can get and get that that feeling when the original Hornets were launched. Yeah, you mentioned that the brand recognition, the the old classic feel, the nostalgia of the Charlotte Hornets, it does feel unparalleled in some instances. It's insane how you can go to a lot of the national NBA landscape and people really love this old school Charlotte Hornets logo. And it seems like nationally, you see it on Twitter, social media, it seems, you know, NBA pundits are, are really excited about what's going on here as well. How have you seen the, the, the feedback, at least, even on a national scale of this bringing back the classic nights? You know, I got to give credit where credit's due. You know, when they rolled this brand out originally, they did a fantastic job with it. The fans embraced it, and the NBA really kept it alive, you know, as a legacy brand, um, you know, when it didn't exist. So there's just so much equity in it. I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't know that there's too many other brands where this could happen. And we tried to really take a, a really deliberate and methodical approach to bringing the brand back and taking every single step extremely seriously because we knew, we knew from our research how important this brand was to the fans. So it's been it's been really, really fun working on this project. But I, I gotta go back, you know, to the to the beginning because when they rolled this brand out, they did a great job because there's no way you can have this kind of equity if they didn't. Tickets for all eight classic games can be purchased together as part of the classic plan, which is on sale now and features lower level seating. The same seats for each game and playoff priority individual game tickets go on sale on September 4th. Pete, just real quickly, with all of these stuff going into these classic nights for the Charlotte Hornets in honor of their 30th anniversary, has there been something that comes to mind when you think of the favorite, the favorite part of your process with all of this? Any kind of particular project, whether it is a bobblehead or just something that you've done during this entire marketing scheme that's your favorite? 
Yeah, just a, a number of things. I think you guys know we've been really close. Obviously, the Muggsy, especially since we brought the brand back, but this is the first year that we've we've created a formal relationship with him as an ambassador and an advisor. So getting Muggsy with the team, as part of the team, somebody who, again, is synonymous with the brand, one of the longest-tenured Hornets who everybody just have these amazing uh, you know, feelings for, that was special, you know, to sit down with him and talk about how important he was to us and that we wanted him back with the team, you know, on a formal basis. That it was just it was a privilege to be able to sit down with somebody that's that important to the history of the team and talk to him about what his role could be here. So, and that was really special on top of everything else we've done. And I'm looking forward to Muggsy's going to be out here, obviously, for the opener. And, you know, obviously, no one would be surprised if he makes that 30th anniversary team and he's out here for that. And we're going to try to get him and, and Dell engaged in as much as, as we possibly can this season. Fans can purchase memberships, packages, or individual game tickets at the Spectrum Center box office on Hornets.com or by calling 704-HORNETS. Pete, thanks so much for joining us once again on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Have a good rest of your week. You're welcome, Walker. Can't wait for the opener. All right, same thing here. Cannot wait for the opener. I'm sure as many other fans can't as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with the Locked On Hornets podcast. More on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those that's kind of glad he's I'm gone. One of the, I, one of the only players that has blocked Locked on Hornets on Twitter. Did he block this? <laughs> yeah. He blocked this. I, did, what, Some, did, for did something we hate you on him? Did, did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Oh, I play rejoin music there, don't I? Doug a little rusty, going back from his fantastic trip in Nashville. A little slow to the game on the producer. Well, I'm sorry, I was looking up uh, Wikipedia for Super Salad, which is an American restaurant chain based in Dallas, Texas. Of course, it's Texas. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet restaurant featuring fresh salads, made-from-scratch soups, homemade breads, and more. 25 locations in the Dallas area. I expect royalties. I expect a big old fat check coming my way. Super salad. I feel like somebody overheard me and then decided to make that chain. Yeah, yet someone forgot to ask, because Doug's got a little bit of a point of contention with you. No, I come into this segment with my tail between my legs, knowing that I messed up. I understand that I did not fulfill my direct Pete Gwilly interview duties as I did not ask him where the Hugo blimp went. Where the blimp at? Slip, slipped my mind. I talked about the classic it- night for the most part. I did not ask where the Hugo blimp was. And that was something that we had kind of game planned for heading into that interview. And it was just me. And I screwed the pooch on that one. Did it slip your mind or are you part of what is now a growing conspiracy surrounding the missing Hornets blimp. Uh, I'm going to go with it slipped my mind. I wanted to ask him. I would still like to have the information to where it is because it, it was a big part of going to the games as far as my childhood goes, and I would like to know where it is, and I just completely forgot to ask him. Now, here's the question I would have. Doug, if he's part of the conspiracy, why would he ever admit it to you on this podcast? Exactly. Exactly. This is like a game we played. 
No, I, I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, you, a, you enjoy j- grape jelly. They're like 99% of the people he, on this planet. He just so happened not to ask Pete Gwelly the one question we wanted to know, and he did the interview by himself without us. You guys don't know me. If you haven't signed up for The Athletic yet, they have started a Carolina portal for Hurricanes, Panthers, and Hornets coverage. If you want 40% off of your first year, go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's theathletic.com slash LockedOnNFL. NFL. You can get the athletic higher level of coverage and you'll be helping out our podcast. So again, athletic.com slash locked on NFL. So let's look at what happened with the Hornets and some news breaking over, I guess the weekend, right? Uh, Former GM Bob Bass passing away at the age of 89 and the Charlotte Hornets, they released a statement Quote, the Charlotte Hornets are saddened to learn of the passing of Bob Bass. After coming to Charlotte in 1995, Bob was responsible for some of the most successful teams in Hornets history and left an indelible mark on our franchise. Under his leadership, the Hornets never finished a season with a record under 500, and his team building earned him the NBA's Executive of the Year in 1997. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife, Pat, sons, Kelly and Kip, and the entire Bass family. Again, Bob Bass, the former general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. He passed away Friday night, that would be. And Bass, again, he joined that Hornets team in 1995 and then had a five-year run with them. And as you heard in the statement there from the Charlotte Hornets, very successful. Never had a team go under 500. Those were some of the best players that we've ever seen be a part of that organization come through for Bob Bass. And he dealt with a lot of those guys, Alonzo Mourning, uh, Larry Johnson. I mean, you're talking about some of the classic teams that even leaked into a little bit of the new era of great players for Charlotte Hornets, like guys like Baron Davis and and other players among that era. Um, But also, again, Bob Bass kind of dealing some of the greatest talents that the Hornets have ever seen. Alonzo Mourning getting dealt. Glenn Rice got dealt. So a couple of these guys that came through the organization but then shipped. But it's hard to argue about a guy that, again, never lost, never had a losing season when he was at the helm of an organization that, quite frankly, just does not have the history when you put it up to a lot of the other teams' histories out there in the in the league. Honestly, the big thing, though, I heard that statement, and it's like some of the greatest teams in Charlotte Hornet history – and then you follow it up with his teams never go below 500. I don't think they've had a stretch since then or probably before then where they were that good. Bob Bass put together a lot of good teams. You talked about drafting guys like Baron Davis, acquiring guys like Jamal McGlure, who, were, who granted had that one all-star season but were very solid pieces. Bob Bass took that San Antonio mentality because, he, again, he came from San Antonio to Charlotte. And he managed to turn this into a very viable place. He made the hive alive pretty much and kept kept it going. Yeah, he oversaw two of the three 50-win uh, seasons for the Charlotte Hornets. And the, the only time they have put back-to-back 50-win uh, seasons together. That year that he won the executive of the year, 96-97, Uh, was their best year ever in terms of win total. 54 wins that year. He also oversaw the hiring of Dave Cowens, who uh, was uh, a pivotal part of that run as well. And a lot of people don't remember. They remember that Bob Bass was the general manager when the Charlotte Hornets traded away Kobe Bryant, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't remember that he won executive of the year partly because of that move, because it brought in several pieces that allowed the Charlotte Hornets to to compete so well 
in that 96-97 uh, season. Yeah, bringing in Vlade Divac that season, interesting enough for, for Bob Bass. And interesting, though, it was some of the uh, the moves that he would make. Again, it's, it's someone that also just was not going to pay guys and maybe the right move to let Larry Johnson go. And you'd look at some of the other moves that he made with some of the talent that he brought into this organization. Uh, you know, one guy you bring up that we didn't even talk about even before the show, Dave Cowens, one of those guys that was not re-upped because Dave wanted more money as a head coach that was successful. And quite frankly, the Hornets just weren't going to give it to him. And also, Zoe, again, being a guy that was shipped out to Miami, Glenn Rice not being re-upped as well. So a lot of interesting things happened within that organization. Again, all having the best stretch of success is when you look at the success to ratio of the length of how long it was but you know some other things that were really controversial uh, going on at that time now look michael jordan the jordan era loomed large over that era of charlotte hornets history probably a ceiling ultimately on what they could have accomplished but one does wonder what a talent like bob bass could have done for this hornets organization had he worked for an owner that wasn't as afraid to open up the pocketbooks it's a it's a very fair question to ask and the one thing you say about not bringing back Cowens, but he brought in Paul Silas. Yeah. And he managed to find a guy like Paul Silas, give him his first real shot, and they kept the party going. So that's a big thing. Yeah, right. So not, again, with those moves happening, because frankly, the franchise just didn't want to pay some of these guys, you know, how much of this was George Shin and how much was it of Bob Bass? And of course, we would all go to George Shin, just not wanting to pay a lot of these guys because we know the type of guy that he was that eventually would take this Hornets organization out of Charlotte and on to New Orleans and again just not shelling out a whole lot of money to some of the most talented guys we've ever seen in a Hornets jersey yeah and that's the sad part and uh, again Bob Bass great guy from every story you hear about him is great and great talent evaluator and I again probably the greatest GM in Hornets history thus far Rick Bennell wrote an interesting column, um, again, with the 30th anniversary happening this season and all of these classic nights, all of us remembering the nostalgia again, coming back for all the Charlotte Hornets. Rick Bennell wrote an interesting column for the Charlotte Observer. His latest column poses the question, when will the Charlotte Hornets retire Del Curry's number 30 jersey? Interesting question to be had and discussed here. Uh, we'll discuss it next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. I posed the question to you before we went to break. Again, Rick Bennell writing an article on it, and I'll pose the question to you guys. It's an interesting topic. Del Curry, not exactly an all-star, never was voted to an all-star team, his entire career in the NBA but is a beloved Charlotte Hornet and is one of the best Charlotte Hornets of all time, undoubtedly. He was the franchise leading scorer before Kimba broke it. It's an interesting guy to talk about when you want to consider either retiring his jersey or not. 
Rick poses the question, then answers what he thinks is yes to that question, where the number 30 jersey representing Dell in the 30th year anniversary for the Hornets organization, it makes a lot of sense on a lot of fronts. Where do you guys reside? Honestly, and we talked about this pre-show, with the Bo- Larry Johnson bobblehead and Grandmama possibly coming back for that bobblehead night, if the fences are mended with the Charlotte Hornets and Larry Johnson, it's got to be Grandmama first. I love Dell to death. Grandmama is the originator of a lot of the pop culture that the Charlotte Hornets became along with those starter jackets. I love Dell. I think he does deserve to have his number retired. But if we're going to go in order of importance, I kind of think it's got to be Grandmama before Dell. My first thought is that I think that Dell Curry has meant a tremendous amount to this franchise, both on and off the court. He has served as ambassador for several years now. He was a big part of you know bringing that name back and a part of the celebration that happened when the Hornets name returned to Charlotte. Saying all that, I think that putting a jersey up into the rafters should be reserved for two things. One, NBA greatness. And two, tragedy or or some other huge emotional thing, which is why you have Bobby Phils and his jersey hanging in the rafters. I don't think that Del Curry's accomplishments as a Charlotte Hornet reach the level of NBA greatness. Because, and I'm, I'm going that way as well. And I, I think maybe if you put in Del Curry, it might be because of all the stuff he helped with the organization even after his playing day. So maybe that does constitute as greatness within the organization. But I'm leaning your or your way as well, Doug, because what kind of precedent does it send? You know, this is an organization that's going to last for, I mean, you're hoping at least for another 30 years. And then in those 30 years, a lot could happen in those you know, 15 years from now, a lot could happen where you possibly could getting be getting other players. It's it's just look at all the other franchises that retire jersey numbers. I mean, you would imagine that Del Curry, as far as the basketball player they were on the court, I mean, Del Curry's probably at the bottom of that list of all the jerseys that are out there retired because of greatness, at least. It depends on the market, though. Like the Lakers, they have a whole bunch of numbers for guys that won a whole bunch of championships. Boston is the same. You have to look, you have to factor the market. I mean, Zach Randolph is going to be retired. His jersey is going to be retired. You have to look at franchise success overall. And Zach Randolph, an all star, though, right? Very much so. So, I mean, that's something you also have to look at. There's some hardware to his name. There are certain things that I think you can make the argument that you have to make them relative to the organization. I just don't believe that the rafters are one of those things. I think we should hold some things sacred, and I think retiring jerseys should be reserved for NBA greatness because what kind of message, and to your argument, Nada, what kind of message would it send to retire Dell Curry's number in the same breath as Larry Johnson's number? Oh, no. I think that would, no, I would, I think I that would send a, a bad precedent. And the other thing you have to think about, too, is that they've already honored Dell Curry just several years ago, multiple times with a with a huge honeycomb that hangs uh, in the in the concourse. Why wouldn't they have retired their jersey? Why wouldn't they have retired the jersey then? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I get it. It's thirty. His number was thirty. That's cute. It's a cute thing, but to me, it would be sacrificing yourself to mediocrity almost, and not allowing the rafters to resemble 
NBA greatness. Completely agree. I, I think when I make that statement earlier, the, the devil's advocate argument would be, does it constitute as greatness within the organization for what he's done past his playing days? Trying to get back the Hornets name here in Charlotte, what he's done as a broadcaster. How much does that constitute? Because we are honoring at least Steve Martin. Now, he doesn't get a jersey in the Raptors, but maybe that would be the argument to help Steve. Del. Steve has more of a case than Dell does, though, if we're honest. Yeah, well, and again, if you want to go that route, then it even strengthens the point of sacrificing yourself to mediocrity because Dell look I mean we all I think we all love Dell 16.3 points per game does that get your jersey in the rafters it's just we're talking that's the thing we're talking about a jersey in the rafters I think it's great that we've already honored Dell Curry with with the big honeycomb in the concourse and we celebrate him every time we watch the game we celebrate him on television you know he's part of this organization will always be a part of this organization but to me, that's different than, than the, the, symbol, uh, the, the symbolizing that happens when you put somebody's jersey in the rafter. It's the jersey. It's what you wear when you play the game. I wouldn't want to see a Steve so Martin. So you want to put a, a Del Curry suit up there? Maybe? Oh, yeah. I would want to see a Steve Martin jersey up there. <laughs> that wouldn't make a, any sense. A, it's the so jersey. You would, so you wouldn't want a banner of Steve Martin up there? <laughs> I, I think there are many other ways to honor people within the organization than lifting something to the rafters that actually no i completely agree with you i completely agree i do agree there i I think again i I completely agree with you because we're we're talking about this with the carolina panthers and there's so many del curry like figures with the panthers there's so many so do you put guys like mike rucker up there the defensive end for them do you put uh do you put ryan khalil up there do you put mike minter i mean these guys were very good players for the Carolina Panthers, but are they on the ring of honor type of players? And they're just not. And to me, that's what Del Curry does for the Charlotte Hornets. Del Curry is a guy that means so much to the organization, like some of those Panthers that I just mentioned, but the guy does not have an all-star appearance to his name. The hardware that he has in the NBA just isn't very much. He has a sixth man of the year award. That's cool. I don't know how many teams have their sixth man just one year hanging in the rafters of their gym. And I agree. And the one thing I will say is if Dell gets in, you have to put Gerald Wallace in. Well, and then and you're that, right, because again, you're right. What kind of message does that send? Okay, if Dell goes in, you gotta put Larry in. If Larry Johnson goes in, you gotta put Alonzo Mourning, despite so, him not playing uh, no, as much. Glenn Rice. Yeah, Glenn Rice, one of the best three year stretches, probably the best three year stretch we've and ever Kemba's seen. Kemba's automatically in. Kemba's automatically in. And then when you have that kind of collective group of talent, does that equal up to anywhere close like I understand it's not going to equal up to the Lakers but is at least on par with what greatness should be within an organization absolutely not and it's not and it's just not and man it hurts hating on Dell <laughs> and we're not thing, hating I don't I know. think it's hating on Dell I, I think it's it's understanding what that act means what that ceremony means and, and that it's okay for some things to be held in, in, in a more sacred way than other honors. There are multiple ways to honor people. It doesn't have to be a rafter in the jersey. How, how, many, guys, jersey how many guys get their jerseys in the rafters right now? I mean, based on anybody who's ever played for the Hornets, because again, this is kind of going to the list that we've had for the last however many months or so. But to me, there's, you know, how, how many Two, guys do you put up there? Because I, Kimba's, Kimba's up there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Kimba's got two all-stars. Kimba's the all-time franchise-leading scorer. Done. Didn't have to think about that. The other ones, I don't know if there's anybody else that I'm immediately putting LJ. up there without any... No, LJ. I don't think so. I mean... I don't I don't think LJ 
I would not. It's There's close. a reason why his jersey isn't up there now. I think, and that's the that's the other thing is if you start doing it now with the 30th anniversary, it's like, well, what what was the holdup? No, well, Larry Johnson hasn't been a member of the Charlotte Hornets for you know two decades, right? Well, again, remember there is that whole thing where they don't see eye to eye. That well, whatever, but it should be. I think if you can't pull that pull that lever and and put that rafter up in the God, I keep I keep reversing them for some reason. Put that jersey in the rafters. I'm getting emotional. That's why. Feel the same way about this. You, man. I feel the you same way about time. this that I do about that waiter that wouldn't get off my back with the trivia. <laughs> <You need some time. sighs> okay, so you if, know what if you rafters used to be called. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're gonna hear that on a bump soon. <laughs> my point is, if you can't do that immediately, and I think that's what's going to happen with Kemba when he le- when when he retires from the NBA I, I think it will be within the, a year or two yeah. that that will happen so if you no can't way- do that immediately then you shouldn't do it the, at all so but should they have done it with anybody else because no. if it's not LJ then it's not it's not Zoe right like no. Kemba's the only guy I'd put up there at this point I mean Kemba and Kemba's yes. questionable kind of well maybe no, I, I'm putting I don't I don't have to think I don't have to think about Kemba I'm putting Kemba up there but no it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation to have or are you laughing? I just love how quick how quick he was to put LJ's jersey in the rafter. But when it comes to Kemba, hold on a minute. No, 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 no. Hold on. I said we put. De- I said put LJ before Zo- uh, before Dell. I did say that. I didn't necessarily take a position on this. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's the flippity flip. All right, Doug. What's the thirteenth? Uh, oh, we're on the twelfth now, I believe, because not a filled in for you into the 13th best beer. And I should have made Charlotte. chaos if I knew you were going to be like this today, Doug. <laughs> yeah, so we'll go to Doug. You got your list ready? I do. All right. Doug, when it comes to the 12th best beer in Charlotte history, what is it? It is Jalapeno Pale Ale. This is a big one. This is a big one here in Charlotte. It if is you're a big not one. from here, everyone that, that knows Charlotte beer knows about Jalapeno Pale Ale, a favorite of producer Kate. Not as going to shake his head off here, just this going back and forth. is a putrid beer. <laughs> putrid beer. Well, but just because you don't like it does not make it a putrid beer. Now, this is- You would fun. not hang that can in the rafters of a bar? Oh, absolutely not. Matter of fact, I had blurred, blurred is the word, um, and we had that, uh, that was the number 13 one. I had that one over the weekend. It's pretty good. It's better than Jalapeno Pale Ale, though. Can you tell us about it, Doug? Yeah, Birdsong makes this one. It's available year-round. Uh, this is what Matt McKenzie of Charlotte Magazine writes. Ever since this unique pale ale debuted in 2011, head brewer Connor Robinson and his crew have used fresh jalapeno peppers, hand-cutting them and removing the seeds themselves. So this is a this is a work of love. You talk about craft beer. There is actually some craft that goes along with making this craft beer not. Yes, and that craft is not appreciated by me. Thank you very much. I'm a fan of the selection there. I'm a fan of number 12 today. So essentially, now this is not again, we mentioned this before. It's not the most talented, but we are going into the top 12. A lot of people would consider that a full basketball team. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm doing. Ooh. I know. I'm just saying making sure that I clarify the different. I know, right? I'm clarifying the rules. Can I just say something Walker, before, before you (laughs) announce number 12? I, you know, I was listening to the show on the way way to, to Nashville. I just have to commend you. Thank you. Because not, not for the Omeka pick, which I'm, I'm fine with, but I commend you because you've undertaken this massive effort. No one else is doing it, by the way, this is the 30 best Hornets of all time. The, the, no one else is going this deep. You went this deep, and you've taken a lot of guff from the fans, 
from They're listeners of the show, from Nana, from myself, and you stood firm and said, this is the list. This is the definitive list. No other list before this list. And I just want to say, good job. Tom. I appreciate the Pod love. Dad. I, I, I appreciate the love. It would be nice to hear some of that from Nada, but I appreciate the love. Well, you'll, you'll never get that from me. Oh, I know. Good I don't okay. want it from you. Okay, Nada. let's hear, let's hear right. the 12th pick. So, 13, Emeka Okafor, Nada had a problem with it, said it should go, what? Like 17, 18? Yeah, nah, you said Ridiculous. 16. You said 16, something like that. 16, 17. Let's not stretch the truth 16, now. 16, 17. You drank too many blurred whatever the hell you drank the other day. I had uh, a reason for that. Thank you very much. Still too many. Still too many for you. All right. We'll get to the 12th. The 12th best Hornet in the history of the Charlotte Hornets franchise is Mr. Eddie Jones. I hate this pick. Commend you for the list. Hate this pick. Coming in at 12. For that. All right. High or low, Doug? What do you, what, what, we'll, we'll go with your reasoning first and then I'll rebuttal. Anyone that's been listening to the show for a long time knows that uh, David Walker and I have had many discussions about Eddie Jones and what his legacy is with the Charlotte Hornets. And, and so much of it boils down to the length of time that Eddie spent with the team. But you cannot argue, and this is where this argument always breaks down right. between him and I, he will say, well, you can't argue with the hardware, the all, the all NBA hardware. It's tough. I mean, he came in and was unquestionably the, the best Hornet, you know, in that in that small era that he was a part of. Oh, so and David, so David is a fan of Eddie Jones, yes. and you are not. So and, well, much. and I, I just question the length. And and again, I, that's been a big thing for me. W- but to me, right, that's been a big thing yeah. is longevity. And so now you might think I'm inconsistent, but this is where the first time we get some hardware coming in. I jokingly said that I hate it, but I actually think that this is an appropriate. I think twelve. It's out of the top oh, you ten. Me. I, I, I thought well, you legitimately didn't well, like that's. Acting. Yeah, yeah. Acting. Well, but I think David Walker would disagree with you. I know he listens to the show every day. Hey, David, how's it going? Uh, give us a sneak of the week sometime. Yeah, give you? us give us a damn Jeez. sneaker, David. We want you um, back. But he would say that that's too low. Yeah, and no, I I think, I mean, with the hardware that he got, it makes the longevity a little, a little bit more at least approachable here to me getting him higher on this list. Now, I'll go in with my reason that I have Eddie Jones here at number 12. The 2000, or the, excuse me, the 1990-2000 season was amazing from him. It was somebody that came in, had an all-star appearance, was an all-NBA player that year, not to mention Steels champ. How about that? Defensively, Eddie Jones yeah. being the Steels champ in that season. So not only was he giving it to you on the offensive end, gave it to you on the defensive end as well. It's somebody that had to increase a role coming to the Charlotte Hornets from the Los Angeles Lakers. His field goal percentage did go down a little bit, but how about... The three-point percentage, it was he was a 375, or excuse me, a 37% shooter, if you want to round it up, 38, uh, a guy that shot that from beyond the arc and did so in that season when he got all the NBA. By the way, in today's NBA, Eddie Jones would thrive. When you yes, want to talk about the transition of how the NBA game is played, God, Eddie Jones would be an amazing player. For Eddie me. Jones is the prototype, prototypical wing. He is absolutely the prototypical wing. And what's funny is, this is one of those I don't hate. I actually am really okay with is this. Is this appropriate? 12 for? 12 is this. But considering I know there's a guy that you can use longevity against coming up, or there's a few of them, I... I there's not too many, right? The, I mean, 
couple of, again, there's a guy that I know that's, Maybe I got, left that, him completely that's got three seasons. If you completely left him off, then, <laughs> then we're going to have a bigger problem than I thought. No, Eddie Jones, to me, it was an amazing player that one season. Again, the Steels champ. He got three the year before prior. Also, interestingly enough, two players on this list that have been praised by Michael Jordan for the defensive ability. First one we got to was Bobby Phils. Bobby and the first one, Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones, Eddie Jones Michael Jordan, praised for his defensive ability. So Eddie Jones coming in as the 12th best player in Charlotte Hornets history, by the way, had a career high that year, 20 points per game, before eventually he'd be shipped off to Miami. And we should say that that 99-2000 Charlotte Hornets team was not very good offensively, no, it was not. 18th of, of 29 in the league, uh, but he really lifted them, lifted a team that could not play offense without his scoring. Uh, they would... I don't think they would have made the playoffs, much less they were one win shy of 50 wins. And uh, they went uh, into the playoffs and unfortunately had that first round series with Philadelphia, who would go on uh, to face the Lakers in the NBA championship. That's a good stat line, man. 20 points per game, five rebounds, four assists, almost three steals. I mean, Eddie Jones, I don't think there's any questioning the kind of impact that he had in that lo- in that one year, basically. No, exactly. For a one year For a one-year guy, I think he's appropriately rated. And I don't say that God. very much. Yeah, the, it, the the reason this season was particularly frustrating is because you had Derek Coleman. Uh oh. Probably playing the one g- decent season he had in Charlotte that ninety nine two thousand year, and I think had they not run into Philly in in that first round and run into the Allen Iverson buzzsaw. The, and the Matt Geiger buzzsaw, by the way. Yes, please. They, please do not leave Please bring saw. him up. Do not forget his name. Uh, they, they could have made some. I think this team, you had Eldon Campbell, Derek Coleman, David Wesley, Anthony Mason, Eddie Jones, Bobby Phils, who, of course, um, you know, his season tragically cut short. Baron Davis's rookie season uh, didn't start a game, but definitely, you know, played all 82, starting to make some waves. I think that team could have. I think believe I I think that was my first poster I ever had was an Eddie Jones Charlotte Hornets poster. I believe that would have been the first one that I ever got. Great player, man. And by the way, talking about that team with Eddie Jones and Derek Coleman um, and and the impact that he had on that team. I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to come up with some no, resounding points. This is why you don't eat that much grape jelly, man. Yeah. <laughs> Urban Dictionary defines super salad as a <laughs> mythical dish of the best salad ever compiled, oh, very no. sought after, but has never been found. It is often confused at sit-down restaurants as an option, and the quote is, and would you like soup or salad with that? And yeah, I want a Super sad. No, I, I messed up. Most embarrassing moment I've ever had among myself and a waiter. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you on Thursday. See you guys. <laughs>